0: The Fanfic Writer's Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fan fiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. I'm Lanny, aka Copperdust, and this is the second part of my two episode series on multimedia and fan fiction. My usual co host Joe is busy replying to the many asks we will undoubtedly receive about our smut episode, so instead, you will be hearing from our guest author Rosa. She has written for 28 different fandoms, which is pretty impressive. Rosa is a fellow connoisseur of multimedia collage-style fanfics, and is the author of The Academic Pastiche, Waddleford Bumblebee, Potterwatch, Underground Radio, and The Voice of a Revolution, Hogsmeade Wittershins 2006, and that is the title of One Story. So, Rosa, why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and and the work you do and how you came to fandom.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been a part of fandom one way or another since I was probably around 10 years old, looking up Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings fiction, even before fanfiction.net was a really big thing, I think, and it was just all these random scattered individual websites. and I'm not particularly prolific. I probably produce about one thing a year and cycle through fandoms entirely at random. I've probably done the most work in Naruto fandom, which is unfortunate in retrospect, Um, but also on and off dabbling in Harry Potter and Marvel and things like that, Um, doing a little bit of fan art, all of that kind of stuff.
0: Um, one thing that I found really interesting about your profile on AO3 is that, um, compared to me, a person who's written, like, many stories for, like, one fandom, you seem to have written, like, one story for every fandom, but then many different ones. So, are you kind of a, like, a breadth person?
1: Um, I think, I mean, I have acts, I have absolutely been sucked into different fandoms to a probably obsessive level at various points in the past, but mostly I'm lazy and also don't have a lot of time, and with those two things combined, I only end up creating something if I'm sort of desperate to see it and can't find it. Um, meaning as I've, I've sort of cycled through random interests in the past, um, especially, oh, Zusho is another one. Mm-hmm. Just once in a while, something will grab hold and say, hey, you haven't found this thing yet. I guess you've got to make it. And I very begrudgingly do so. And that happens about once a year.
0: I find it really interesting um The way you've said that because so many people that i've spoken to including joe who's normally my co-host and some of the other people i've interviewed have all said the same thing which is i looked everywhere for this thing and it was only when i made sure that it didn't exist that i wrote it but i actually just wanted to read it and not have to be the person to write it so um it's funny because that's that seems to be what everyone says it's you know kind of a last option once you've absolutely ensured that you can't possibly find it anywhere um so the particular story Absolutely, that I yeah. so the particular story I wanted to ask you about I'm going to read the title aloud because it's something that's pretty hard to memorize. It's called Wattleford Bumblebee Potter Watch Underground Radio and the Voice of a Revolution Hogsmeade Wittershins 2006. And uh, for those of you, <laughs> for those of you listening, you have to imagine all of that punctuated like an academic citation because it makes more sense when you see it in print. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about that story?
1: Right. So um, how did that start? Okay. I think technically that fic started when I was about 12 years old and I read this book um, called The Year of Secret Assignments by Mm -hmm. Jacqueline Moriarty. And it's this YA book that's all told in, you know, letters and text messages and all this sort of epistolary outsider perspective type thing and I've been obsessed with that kind of thing ever since honestly. Um, Outsider perspectives are my favorite things to read in fic and with this specifically I really loved the idea that you know underground revolutionary radio had become sort of a lifeline during the obviously fictional Wizarding War um, in Harry Mm -hmm. Potter and there's a lot of things that you can see that reflected in in real life you can talk to a lot of people who during various political administrations say that the only thing that kept them sane was Jon Stewart's Daily Show not because it was actually fixing anything but just because it was something to grab onto to make you feel like you were slightly less crazy Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really interesting to me that this probably functioned similarly in the wizarding world, and I wanted to discuss that and wanted to discuss its sort of place in fictional history. And I thought there needed to be more stories about Lee Jordan. And um, the other reason I like to do a lot of sort of outsider perspective or fake social media, multimedia, fake academia type stories is because I'm really lazy. (laughs) and if you have an interest in the effect certain things have had um in universe but you don't want to write actual prose writing just a bunch of fake academic articles and sort of just vomiting all of your thoughts into other people's perspectives and letters and newspaper clippings and stuff like that you can sort of get out all of your thoughts and everything you want to explore and all the ideas you're interested in without actually having to write a story
0: (laughs) I mean to me that to me I would say it is a story but it's not um it's not told in in kind of a straightforward narrative sense um it's you know it's not Mm, told from from like a singular perspective it's told from like a collection of sort of anonymous voices like a kind of greek chorus um telling you the story of the war in bits and pieces um i think that i first found this story online at the time that i was still in university so i think to me like i got a A special kick out of it because I was having to read so many dry academic articles that were super boring and it was it was kind of fun to see that like dry (laughs) academic language but also about something kind of silly and kind of fun Um, and with all the with all the like footnotes and citations um, it was just kind of like a fun escape for me from like real academic articles Um, and it was also just like super that is fantastic to hear yeah it's 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 I
1: also I would say just as an addendum to that honestly because I obviously going through university had to write a huge amount of essays and now that you bring that up it might be me exercising some of that angst in a more fun cathartic sort of way after being forced to write so many citations myself over the years
0: yeah like there was a time when I remembered like off the top of my head how to do an apa citation like without having to check the style guide cuz i was doing it 10 times a day like i don't remember anymore yep. cuz i i don't have to do it anymore the great thing about teaching elementary school is <laughs> the resources you give to the kids like it doesn't matter you can plagiarize them you can copy them you don't have to attribute anything like as long as you're doing the job like nobody's out there to prove that the resources you're giving them are original or whatever which is like <laughs> which is really great when you need to make a slideshow in a hurry. Um, yeah. But yeah, just looking at this yeah. story, it kind <laughs> of, it gives me nostalgia for being in university. Um, but another thing I wanted to address was kind of um, the way that you sort of position some of the narrators or writers of of the little academic texts as being potentially characters writing under a pseudonym. So there's one little fragment here where it claims to be from Snackleholt Bingsley, which I assume is like Kingsley Shacklebolt writing under a pseudonym that's like not that, not that subtle.
1: 100%.
0: So (laughs) (laughs) the idea, the idea being like you're maintaining the kind of whimsy and silliness of a children's universe, but then also in in this very sort of the style of communication the academic style is something that like it's like a joke that no child would get and yet the like silly pseudonym is something that kind of matches the silliness of the universe which i i really appreciate when people write stories that are for an adult audience and yet they still kind of throw tribute to the fact that like this is based on like a children's book series and it is silly and like it's okay to be a little bit ridiculous and over the top
1: um i'm so happy to hear that actually i mean one of my favorite things about harry potter growing up with it was just the whimsy it seemed like this sort of oddball weird wonky universe where things were a lot of fun it you know remus lupin's name being werewolf McWerewolf, wasn't a plot hole it was just a fun little Easter egg um, those kinds of things so yeah I, I I enjoyed making the names as stupid as possible
0: yeah I, I, I appreciated that for me there's always like when I'm writing and I'm coming up with original characters in this universe there's always this tug-of-war between like do I like how silly do I want to go or like you know what if I'm writing an AU should I be less silly so um, But I like that yours is not really an AU. It's actually completely canon compliant. It's just stylistically very different. Um, So I wanted to ask, since you've created this work that's kind of a little bit odd in multimedia, um, is this the first or the only time you had been working in mixed media and fan fiction or is it the only one that I'm aware of?
1: Um, No, I've definitely done it a couple of times. I haven't always gone all of the way and copied and pasted those pseudo articles into separate pages, and then printed them out, and then colored them, and then ripped them up, and then scanned them back in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the fake academic, fake social media portion is something that I do a lot. And there was also one time I, got I'm forget like i'm just sitting here like have i written what fan fiction have i written have i written fan fiction before i suddenly can't remember anything but there was at least one other where i did that which is actually a collaboration it was an art prompt Mm -hmm. um which you can also find on my profile um that i wrote did a fake vanity fair article um this was in captain america fandom um that was in turn the prompt for a story let me look up the title of that, please edit. I think I've pulled
0: out. it up. Is it I don't sh- remember what it's called. Is it shocking evidence inside source reveals blah blah blah?
1: <laughs> no no, there's also that one though. There's um, actually
0: multiple I'm looking you
1: have like a uh, buzzfeed no. one. <laughs> oh yeah. I did a fake. I did a fake Buzzfeed one for Daredevil. It's this one. It's the actual story is by What Alchemy, and it's called Steve Rogers might wear tights, but he's not your pinup girl. If you download the file, it's a PDF link. I did the initial Vanity Fair article that was the prompt, which was about a course I believe at a city university um, studying Captain America and Captain America's potential liberal history um and then what what alchemy wrote um in response to that prompt was a fake uh academic paper written by bucky barnes who had been taking the supposed course at the university um that might have been my earliest one Let me see.
0: Okay, so just just for readers. Not me
1: scrolling my real AO3 pile. um.
0: Just for readers who are listening, I'm looking at this PDF right now, and I'm really sad that this is not a fandom I'm familiar with because it actually looks phenomenal. And there's there's even my absolute favorite part of this, and this is maybe because I'm a teacher and I've had to make these for real, is there's a part where this person's academic essay, um, there's like a rubric on the last page with like, a description of the success criteria in each category and how many points he scored in each category which is like absolutely like accurate to how a teacher would present a rubric um and that that just makes me laugh a lot because yeah. like I have to yeah. write these for real um there's and there's they did like- a
1: spectacular <laughs> job really um I I really hope that people are able to check that and and enjoy their work because it's a fun one
0: was this like a um a
1: collaboration? I believe it was a reverse big bang. Sorry, what's a reverse big bang? Do you know what a big bang is? I'm where like... you write a fic and then you put you list the fic and then people sign up to do artwork for those fics. So the reverse is where you write and post art and then people sign up to make fics based on your art prompt. Um, and this was, I believe, The Avengers Reverse Big Bang some number of years ago, I do not remember.
0: Oh, okay. I I've had I've, I've vaguely so heard... So I did
1: that Vanity Fair article as a prompt because I was desperate for exactly that type of fic.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it looks really cute. Um, it might be worth reading even though I have no familiarity with the fandom, and that might actually be an interesting experience. <laughs> I've definitely read stories where I could tell that the writer of the story had never read the book or seen the movie, but had written it as like a gift for a friend because I would read it and be like, this this feels like you didn't know anything that happened in the story. <laughs> this feels like you don't know who these characters are. <laughs> I won't name the person who did it.
1: That definitely but, can happen. Yeah. But as
0: as a person who had read the book and seen the movie, I was like, D- do you do you know who any of these people are? <laughs> they had like she had the names of the characters. The was probably know. So she had the names of the characters, but like none of the personalities matched whatsoever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's where you have to question like, is this lack of knowledge or is this is this just a writing issue? Like do you just enjoy not keeping people in character because some no this this do was that. a
0: great I think this was a an actually a great writer who was like, as a challenge, like, can I write for a fan and where like I actually don't know what it is? <laughs>
1: Spectacular.
0: So I wanted to ask you, Rosa, do you have any favorite works by other people in any fandom that you could describe as like mixed media, multimedia, going beyond the text?
1: Absolutely. Um, So the first one that comes to mind is Media Avengers, which is a whole multimedia project um, that you can find where it's mostly edited fake magazine covers and, and articles that would have appeared in universe. Um, that's a whole one that you can find on AO3. I, let me see if I can, I feel like I should cite the author's name, but I don't know it. So I'm going to Google it. Would it be in your bookmarks? Google isn't telling me. It's fine. Yes, but there are 2000 of those. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can come up with it in a second. 2000 years later. Yeah. So the author's name is not Tony Harrison. Um, and this was a whole massive project that is on AO3. I've also found it on Tumblr. It's just various articles and magazine and newspaper clippings and things like that that would have appeared in the universe. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And I've always enjoyed reading that one. I also enjoy um, just sometimes coming across, there's a lot of these on Tumblr especially, but mm-hmm. I love it. In universe memes like things that would take place if the X Men were real or in Gotham City or something like that, where people are just posting fake memes that actual residents of this like atrociously besieged city that's just full of like, like what would they be tweeting and nonsense. What would they be tweeting? Mm -hmm. What would they be posting on their social media? All that kind of stuff. I love it. It's that outsider perspective like mixed media nonsense just I I eat it up. I love it so much. Um, And if you're going for a sort of academia angle Mm -hmm. probably my favorite fic of all time in Captain America fandom is called Tin Soldiers. Um And it is exactly all from the perspective of chat rooms and live journal posts and fake academia and things like that. Um, The author's name is Idrilka Mm -hmm. and I think that's just a really spectacular example of the kind of thing that we've been talking about and I've gone on to do whole bunch of stuff that's nowhere near as good or as fleshed out but i really enjoy that type of thing so probably my most recent stuff has mostly been that kind of thing i did one of those for spider-man a fake buzzfeed article for daredevil as we Mm -hmm. discussed just that kind of stuff
0: so i've been looking through this story and um one thing it reminds me of is a book of poetry i bought uh original poetry called uh bird lover's backyard I think the poet's name is Thalia McMillan. Is it McMillan? Hold on.
1: One eternity later.
0: Thalia Field. Okay, yeah, so Bird Lover's Backyard by Thalia Field Mm. is a book of poetry I bought like maybe 12 years ago. And, um,. The poems all put together share themes of being about kind of interactions between people and nature in urban environments, but the different chapters, the different poems are sort of formatted differently. So one of the poems looks like a printout of a message board where people are giving each other tips on how to get rid of fire ants in their garden. Um, with like different sort of home remedies for fire ants and it just it literally looks like a message board including some people are better at spelling than others like some people are you know in all lowercase other people have really like use all caps when they get excited um, some of the other poems look like um, excerpts from an academic article on Conrad Lawrence who was um, the kind of uh, German scientists who discovered like ducks imprinting, um, and ducks imprinted on him, and he was a mother to ducks, mm. but he was also a Nazi sympathizer. So we're not getting too close with him.
1: Oh, um. oh very good. <laughs> By which I mean very bad.
0: So a- anyway, anyway. So Thalia feels like each one of her poems. Some of them look more traditionally like a poem, but some of them, if you didn't know it was a poem, you'd be like, "This is a printout from the internet." Um, the other thing that it reminds me of is, um, some of, some of my favorite accidental poetry is like, I love to go on YouTube and look up my favorite oldies songs because inevitably, whatever oldie song you click on, then you scroll down and read the comments and every baby boomer is like, I love this song so much, like, this is the song that was playing when I was getting my induction physical for Vietnam and I remember I was listening to MacArthur Park when they when they told me I had bone spurs and I wouldn't have to go. There's I went through this whole thing last night with the song MacArthur Park, which is someone oh left the cake God. out in the rain and like four different Vietnam vets. Being like, I remember I was lying in a hospital bed in Long Bin after I had been shot and I was listening to this on the radio and crying. I have a whole story. Amazing. I have a story called Check the Spindle, which is pretty long. It's still in development. And the whole sort of genesis of it was a, a comment left on a YouTube video of an old song from a 1960s British children's television show where one person was reflecting on their childhood in Northern England and watching that TV show in the mornings. And I just love that YouTube comment so much that this whole story, which is going to be 30 plus thousand words, just kind of grew out of that comment. Oh, bless you. Thank you to that person. And I even stole, I stole some of the memories of her childhood. Like she mentioned sprinkling sugar bar, sugar onto rhubarb on a baking pan as a child. And I was like, man, I love that detail so much. It's mine now.
1: (laughs) I was just like, I love that.
0: Um, So yeah, definitely you can go from, um, you know, wanting to make fan fiction and then making it look like, you know spontaneous media and internet discourse and chatter or you could do kind of the opposite which is what i do which is like finding the real thing like real spontaneous internet comments and threads and then taking those stories and making them real and i i I did want to bring up one story that i feel like connects really well to your story about the um the underground radio and like you know the underground visiting radio that was happening during deathly hallows which is that um i was reading up on like how to use the radio um, for field radio operators in Vietnam because it's research for a story that I'm writing and there was a whole blog post about how the radio worked I'm talking about the actual professional radio that they would have been using to communicate but then somebody left Mm. a comment on that post reminiscing being like oh yeah I remember this when I was there and then saying how his uh, radio operator used to like when they weren't busy he used to tune in to these frequencies of other troops that were stationed nearby like not people that they could see like a few kilometers away but nearby enough and people would run these like um, kind of illicit underground radio stations where they would play their little portable 45s or tapes into their field radio and broadcast it so that if you were within a certain vicinity and you tuned in you could listen to music that like wouldn't be played on the AFVN radio station because maybe it was too subversive or it was new or it was cool or whatever so it's always kind of a risk <laughs> and of course if you're caught doing this you're also going to be in trouble because you're not supposed to be using like military radio channels for this but he said they used to listen of to the, the best music like and of course they never knew like what specific frequency or at what time it's not like these things were going 24 hours a day it was just soldiers doing this when they right. could And I was just like, man, I love that detail so much. Like, it's definitely going into my story. And it's not even like you just had to read like one comment on a blog post on the Internet to find this out. That's
1: incredible. I love that
0: it's it's so beautiful and it's like like a little bit of humanity and resistance in like a very inhuman atmosphere so rosa why don't you tell us um, and you're very
1: right about it's the kind of thing that isn't necessarily um automatically in a history textbook either it's just the kind of little stuff that it's an anecdote about how people kept themselves alive spiritually emotionally Mm -hmm. in a time like that that's that's fascinating i love that
0: Yeah, and maybe it's in a book somewhere, but I wouldn't have known to look it up. I don't, I wouldn't know which book it might be in. Maybe it didn't make it into a book. Who knows how many people were involved in doing this, but some, some people were.
1: I was doing, I I did one story set back in the, in the 40s, because it was, it was a Captain America fic, Mm -hmm. and I didn't do any research for it. I just wrote down a bunch of stuff I remembered my grandpa telling me, because he was, um... Irish American growing up in Brooklyn in the 30s and I just took all of his experiences and directly transplanted them and one of the things I always think about was that they would go to the movie theater because it was the only place that had air conditioning Mm -hmm. and it was cheap you would just pay once to get in you'd pay a few cents and you could spend the whole day sitting in the movie theater just to be in the air conditioning because it was the only place that had any from like dawn till dusk um, when you were a kid. And that's the kind of thing I just, it's that same type of thing where it's just this little family anecdote that you don't really see written down anywhere, but my God, that was how people lived. Of course they did stuff like that. Like, of course it makes sense, but you wouldn't think of it unless you'd heard of it.
0: Yeah, and one day, you know, as people who were kids during like the early Wild West days of the internet, when everything was sketchy and shady and everybody lied about their identity all the time. We'll be telling stories about, you know, the things that we used to do. Okay, I have one more story. This one is not my story, but it's something I heard. Mm-hmm. So, um, in in the attempt to make the internet more kid-friendly and appropriate for children, and this does have to do with fan fiction, so I'm gonna keep it in, in here. Um, in the attempt to make some sort of kid-friendly, appropriate, clean, um, chat room there's these like special I, they're like kind amazon type kindles for kids where kids can read children's books and also i think post reviews um but otherwise they don't have any like internet access the kids the kids can't go on anything all they can do is read books and post reviews it's basically like a kindle um very limited internet access mm-hmm. but kids being what they are there was apparently this um, kids series about like warrior cats, like some like bizarre sci fi. They're cats, but they go into battle and whatever. But the the kids' only means of communicating with each other online was through the book reviews on Amazon. <laughs> so they did they did this this whole like RP like extended RP kind of collaborative LARP thing posted through the reviews on this like special kids only Amazon website, because that was like the only free access to like a chat room that they had. So this this book series that didn't even have that many fans would have like 8,000 reviews on it, but each review is just like the next post in the kid warrior cat RP. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's that's Amazing, be- that's no notes. That's spectacular. Beautiful. I hope I'm yeah. going to, I hope I'll have kids who do that. Like, honestly, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's very, like, hashtag life finds a way. You know? Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> definitely, And definitely the very, like, that's the sort of thing that made me want to be, like, a teacher who works with kids.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, Rosa, why don't you tell us where we can find you on AO3 or any other social media that you want to share
1: sure um so on AO3 I'm Rosa Loy R-O-S-A-L-U-I and and you can find me under the same name on Tumblr and on Live Journal, which predictably has not been touched I mean nobody's gonna um, find you on LiveJournal but that's and okay era, <laughs> but it um it sure does exist it's it's like a, a mausoleum to my past fandom activities
0: You know, when, when, uh, when Ukraine got invaded, I hurried to back up my live journal to dream with before we lost (laughs) access to it forever, because I was like, this is like six years of my childhood about to be gone because Vladimir Putin wanted Crimea. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's like nobody told me in two (laughs) thousand six. It's, you know what, live journal had its day as a shining beacon of fandom and uh deserves that respect as the dust just like tumbles like a tumbleweed rolls past the screen
0: so that's it for this week's episode of the fanfic writer's craft thanks again to rosa Louie for agreeing to be interviewed and we'll see you next week